to listeners of Picture the Scene. Allow us to introduce ourselves. I'm Beth. And I'm Bailey. And we, we are True Crime b and We do a podcast every week. We release on Fridays. And every week we'll bring to you two different true crime stories. First we'll bring you a disturbing story. And then one that will hopefully uplift your spirits a little bit. We'd love to have you listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, so join us every week on Friday. Find us anywhere you find your podcasts on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, I don't know anywhere else. <laughs> and also you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at True Crime BNB. Did we even mention that we're mom and daughter? No. <laughs> I hope you join our crime family. Bye. Bye. Hello everyone. And welcome to Picture the Scene Podcast, hosted by me, Andrew. And me, Rachel. Now please note that this is a true crime podcast. So listener caution is advised. Now we'd love you to interact with us on our social medias and I'll leave a link in the show notes for all of the all of the ones that we have. Now you may have just heard a promo from Beth and Bailey over at True Crime BNB. Now while I would never recommend staying in a BNB where true crime may happen, as you may not get out alive, I can with all honesty recommend listening to Beth and Bailey from True Crime BNB and I'll link them in the show notes but I also believe they can be found wherever you listen to us. And finally, and this is the longest intro that we've done in a while, we are on the eve of CrimeCon UK. So if you keep an eye on all our social media channels, I'll post updates as long as I don't get too lazy as and when the weekend progresses and the inclination takes me. So now that's out of the way with, and do go listen to True Crime B&B. Beth and Bailey uh, make a good little podcast there. So how was your holiday, Rachel? Are you nice and refreshed? Absolutely amazing. And I just want to um, put a pin in, in that point that you made around crime, crime con, because I do want to chat about it. But um, yeah, in response to your question, holiday was phenomenal. Thank you. And yours? Yes, mine was good, yes. Mine was good. Yeah. You went you went to a nicer place than me, but yeah. Just just for the um just for the benefit of the listeners, Andrew and I did not go on holiday together. We that's obviously why we're asking each other. We were on holiday at the same time, which works out really well when you're recording a podcast. Um but we both just agreed like offline that we really missed recording, didn't we? We did, yes. It's like a part of my it's a part of my life now. This is our twentieth episode, Rachel. Yes. Twentieth episode in twenty twenty two. Um but yes, yeah, so um uh, yeah, it was you, you enjoyed your time off work and you had a great great relaxing trip, yeah. I did indeed. And you'll be it. going you'll be getting all geared up for CrimeCon then. I will be. I'll try and get some photographs and so maybe I'll get yeah. a bit of merchandise that we can give away to someone possibly uh, if I don't want to keep it myself and I'll, I'll see if I can get some free plugs as well. If there's anyone out there who wants a particular um, bit of merchandise with a particular podcaster, let us know. And, and talking about merchandise, um, I'm not going to mention any names because... I don't think it was done to be made public, but a very special person sent us both. Yes, Rachel's holding it now. Our very first ever bit of Picture the Scene merchandise. We've got a couple of cups with our names on them and Picture the Scene and a tote bag as well. So, so uh, it's, it's, it, very it, cute. it warmed my cockles, Rachel, when I, uh, can I, just, can I just say, I'm just so excited about this. I, 
um, was out at the weekend and uh, basically where I live, very small place and wh- whoever I was out with, um, one of her friends went, oh my God, I listened to your podcast. Really? So you know who you are. Thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, all good. It was nice. It was fun. Um, a bit embarrassing. Tried to play it down a bit, but yeah, it was, it was cool. Is that uh, is that someone that you don't know? I don't know her. No, she's a mutual friend. So oh, no, we have a mutual friend. Sorry. Um, so yeah. Um, awesome. Listeners, I'm sorry we're talking about ourselves here, but I've not had that experience. When I get that, I'm going to be like, I'm going to just fall to the floor crying with joy and happiness. I've had it work. I've had it. I've had people in work go, oh my God, listen to your podcast. That's cool. Um, So no, we're getting out there. The word is spreading, Andrew. And um, before I forget, I'm really excited about you going to CrimeCon. I'm good. I can't join. But as Andrew just said, I'm back from holiday and it was just going to be a logistical nightmare getting over there. However, um, what are you most excited about? Tell me. Um, I'm actually most excited about they've got more live podcast recordings. So I'm going to like, there's one from uh, Seeing Red. There's one from UK True Crime. Uh, There's a few, there's quite a few actually. So I'm going to try and get in as many as possible just because I want to just fanboy and and like blow kisses at people and stuff like that and make them avoid me for the rest of the weekend. Yeah. Are you do, are you doing just the Saturday? Saturday and Sunday. I'm I'm flying to London on the Friday and coming back on Monday. Oh, can't wait to hear about it, guys! Can't wait to hear about it next year as well. Yes, and just one last thing before we get onto the case. Um, now I don't have the proper internet yet. I'm still hotspotting people, so if if you hear a bad connection every now and again, apologies. But it'll be back to normal. I know our audio is never great anyway, but it'll be back to normal next uh, next time. So. One last question, and it's been a while now, so it's time for every important question. Are you ready for some true crime, Rachel? I'm so ready. Good. I'm I'm taking this old school here back to the back to our roots. So, if it's safe for you to do so, I'd like you to relax, close your eyes, and picture the scene. I'd like to take us back to the 27th of January, 2009, and to the suburban district of Southall in the borough of Ealing, in west of London. Due to its closeness to Heathrow Airport and the number of factories, in the 1950s, it became a popular destination for Asian immigrants to settle in the UK. So much so that it was at one point the largest Punjabi community outside of the Indian subcontinent. And nowadays it has a nickname of Little India and is known to be a major centre for South Asian culture. By the 27th of January 2009, there was around 70,000 people living in Soho. Uh, some people pronounce it Southo, but in my accent, I, I pronounce it Soho, so apologies if you don't pronounce it the same as me. And roughly half those 70,000 had Punjabi origins. Now, on this day that we're looking at, we're looking at the evening, and the temperature was around 43 degrees Fahrenheit, which is around 6 degrees Celsius, which is enough to make you shiver just thinking about it. Now, I'd like to introduce you to Lakvinda Shima. Lakvinda was 39 years old and was known widely by his nickname, Lucky. Now, unfortunately, this is a true crime podcast, and it would turn out that he wasn't very lucky after all. And on the 27th of January, he was at home with his fiancée, 22-year-old Guji Chong, who he had planned to marry the following month. 
on Valentine's Day, actually. Now, Lucky would never get to exchange vows on a day of romance, which is Valentine's Day. I'll say that again. As he would be dead before the 20th of, 27th of January was over. Now, it was early evening, and the pair, Lucky and his fiancée, they were hungry, like most people are at that time of the day. It was tea time, and it was time to eat. Now, luckily, or unluckily for Lucky and his partner, they had some leftover curry in the fridge. So they cooked some fresh rice and heated up the curry. They both enjoyed their meal, with their conversation focused on the upcoming wedding. And it, it satisfied her hunger. Well, it almost satisfied her hunger, because Lucky was still hungry. So he had second helpings of the curry. He was enjoying it that much. You know what that's like, Rachel, when it's just so nice, you just want to eat some more, even if possibly you don't need to eat more. Well, actually, just for the record, I'm not somebody that would go back for seconds, but I live with somebody that would go back for seconds and thirds and fourths. Um, though I do understand what you mean, but I, I'm I'm curious as to why you're honing in on the on the food. We shall see. Uh, Major doesn't know this story, by the way, people. So shortly after they finished their meal, they wanted... and they both ate it. Sorry, they both ate it. Loki had two helpings, and his fiance had one helping. Right. So shortly after they finished the meal, they wanted to do what most people want to do after a tasty evening meal with their loved ones. They wanted to relax, maybe watch a bit of telly and enjoy each other's company. I'd probably go for a nap. <laughs> yeah, possibly as well. But it's that age of my life. Yeah, I feel that, I hear that. But they didn't get to do that though, because not long after finishing the meal, Lucky became violently ill. He started vomiting violently with his heart palpitating with it fading and becoming weaker. Lucky complained to his fiancée that his face had become numb, with him quoted as saying to his partner, I'm not feeling very well. My face has become numb when I touch it. I cannot feel it. Now his partner then went and had a shower, and then after she had a shower, said that she began to feel similar symptoms. Now minutes later, he reported that everything was going dark, and not long afterwards, he lost the use of both his arms and legs. Can you imagine the fear he must have been feeling to ha have these things happen to him? So he went blind, and then he lost the feeling, he lost the use of both his arms and legs. Oh my God. And, like, yeah, just after you, you're just having, like, trying to chill out after your dinner. I take it she'd gone to get a shower because she didn't feel very well as well, but thinking she'd come down feeling a bit refreshed and he'd feel better, like... Yeah, that wouldn't be pleasant. Exactly. Now, before this happened, however, before he lost the use of his arms and legs, he phoned 999 to get an ambulance, with the operator asking him if they had food poisoning, with him quickly replying, no, we've been poisoned. His exact words were, no, not food poisoning, someone just put poison in our food. When he was asked why... How would he have known that? Well, then I'll get on to this. When he was asked why, he replied saying, my ex-girlfriend because she was my ex-girlfriend. Oh my God. Now CCTV at his home captured his nephews carrying him and his fiancée into their car to take them to the hospital. And he can be heard on the CCTV vomiting still because he just couldn't stop, um, even though he couldn't move his arms or legs by this point. Um, now, in the last hour of his life, he told the doctor that his ex-girlfriend had put something in his food into his food now i say within the last hour he actually died within an hour of getting to the hospital that's how quick it was now so severe was the impact of the sickness on lucky and his partner the hospital was so alarmed 
they got the police to evacuate their house in case there was a possible airborne or chemical threat. That shows you just how severe and unusual this was. Wow. Now, I've, I've got to ask you the question. I guess I have to ask you this question now before going any further into the story, Rachel. And this is what I asked myself. Why do you think he was so adamant it was his ex-girlfriend? How do you know it was poisoning? Yeah, how do you know it was poisoning? How do you know? Any idea? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing in the days of social media, she's probably sent him messages saying, I'm going to poison your food. <laughs> like, you know, probably literally that done um, as a way to approach her her efforts. But yeah, I don't know. He, he definitely seems like hell bent on that. And I, w- I wonder whether it dawned on him before dying that he knew it was that serious where he would die. It could be. I want to introduce you now to that particular woman he was talking about, his ex, uh, Lakvia Singh. Now, Lakvia was a married woman with three children at the time of Lucky's death. And not only was she married, her husband was in the process of being treated for cancer. He was gravely ill. Now, up until the end of the previous year, 2008, in around October time, she had been involved in a 16-year-long affair with Lucky. The affair only ending because Lucky's family found out about the affair, so they quickly moved up. They quickly moved to speed up his marriage to Gujit, his current fiance, who lived in India at the time, with because it was an arranged marriage. Uh, with them planning marriage and knowing the wedding was going to happen, they was going to do that anyway. But they pushed it up to happen sooner, as soon as they found out that he was having an affair with a married woman. Yeah. No. Like Via, like Via wasn't happy though. She didn't want to let him go. I mean, after all, regardless of the fact that she was married with children, and I, it doesn't say anywhere, but 16 years and all her children was younger than 16. Who knows, some of them may have been his, but she'd been in a relationship with Lucky for 16 years. So that's a long time for a relationship anyway, let alone an affair. Yeah, absolutely. I'm guessing that, like, it was, she was of the opinion that if she couldn't have him no one could possibly yeah now now just because they split up though it doesn't mean that she did it now if it was a film you'd probably think you'd probably not think it was there because it'd be too obvious wouldn't it now to now to give you a bit of context as to why lucky was so adamant it was her to answer your question from before a month before lucky had been admitted to the hospital sorry a month before this he died he had been admitted to the hospital for a week with suspected poisoning and he remembered the symptoms from that time okay now i feel bad for like saying how the hell did he know what the symptoms of poisoning were because he'd experienced them and now at that time in the first poison attempt while he was in the hospital look he was suspicious that it was his ex that was a cause because at that time she was overtly making a point of visiting him in the hospital and trying to convince him how much she loved him now, Latvia was, and rightly so, arrested and charged with both murder and GBH. The murder charges for the obvious, for the death of Lucky, but the GBH charge was because of his partner, who ended up almost dying. But she had to be medically, she had to be put into a medically induced coma for two days, and then she spent weeks in the hospital recovering after that. So it was lucky that she didn't have second, really. Now, are you? Sorry. No, the intention. The question is: Was the intention for him to have seconds and therefore die, 
or was the intention to teach him a lesson of like watch your back you know did she expect him to just have one portion and therefore have a bad reaction two days in hospital home and then be like oh my god I love you so much take me back it could have been I mean we would never know it could have been that it could have been just to get rid of them both who know I we don't know unfortunately now I usually you know me by now Rachel I usually skip over the trial part of any true crime story but this one I just want to go into a little bit more detail about it like Veer's defense was that Lucky was murdered but not by her but but by a brother-in-law who treated it as an honor killing due to his family experiencing shame about his brother's wife having an affair Uh, now the prosecution tried to counterbalance this by calling two witnesses the first witness was a tenant of Lucky's who testified on the evening of his death that Lucky was quite agitated and he wanted to find a way to change the locks of his home as quickly as possible because he was convinced his ex had been in his home that day so possibly that might be why he was thinking it was here as well he thought that she'd been in now that in itself though isn't evidence that she did it it's just evidence that lucky thought that she'd been in the home the second witness, and we never know why he thought she would been in the home because he died Uh, but the second witness however was a little bit more convincing than that it was a, it was another tenant of Lucky's because he rented room, rooms out in his house who had actually witnessed Vlakvia in Lucky's kitchen on the 27th of January taking the container that contained a curry that was eaten by them both out of the fridge. So she, that tenant actually witnessed her taking the curry out of the fridge. Now the court also heard, however, that the poison that killed Lucky and almost killed Gujit was quite deadly. It was called Indian Asanite, and it is only grown in the foothills of the Himalayas, and it was used in herbal medicines in that area, um, topical medicines, not ones what you ingest. Now, that locality, coincidentally, was where like Via had recently visited prior to Lucky's first poisoning. In addition to all of that, because some could argue that's still circumstantial, police found a brown powder in a bag in her coat, and she claimed it was for a rash on her neck. But upon examining the powder, they found that it matched the poison in the curry. So that's pretty, pretty damning, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. I don't think a defence have much else to say in the matter there. Now, the family of plants that the Indian asinite comes from is the asinitum plant, and the plant is similar and from the same family that grows in Britain, but people better know. People know it better as Wolfsbane or Monkshood. So some of you may have heard of that in the past. Now, at, at the trial, a professor, Robin Ferner, a clinical pharmacologist, explained this about the poison. You vomit profusely, which is what Lucky did, and it's difficult to stop the prom- vomiting, which is what happened. You get abdominal pain, and then you get heart trouble. And your heart becomes less powerful as your heartbeats fade. Your heart rhythm is disturbed, and it's that heart rhythm disturbance that kills you. Now, what makes this drug particularly nasty, however, apart from obviously killing you, is that while your vision goes, your cheeks numb, you lose the feeling in your legs and arms, and eventually you cannot talk. After all that happens, your mind is still perfectly clear. So you're aware of what's happening, you just can't do anything about it. So at one point, you wouldn't have even been able to talk in darkness. 
not be able to move, but his mind would have just been perfectly clear and lucid. And that is That's so horrible. That That is like torturous, right? That's like, yes. you know, when you hear about these acid attacks and the victim for like two seconds is reacting to the fact that some stranger or someone has just thrown something in their face and then the burning starts and then it gets worse and we're obviously progressively worse and then like all of a sudden bang I can only imagine from you describing that that it's similar effect out of nowhere like you know when there's imminent danger like a gun or a knife or something like that you kind of see that physically don't you yeah you see it coming towards you or at you like but but yeah that poison that would just be like torturous especially so slowly as well like if if his wife or fiance went for a shower you know good 20 minutes later comes downstairs and he's still going through the motions of the the effects yeah that just sounds awful now latvia that she declined to give evidence in a trial because it is her right now but unsurprisingly she was found guilty on both counts and she was sentenced to serve a minimum of 23 years in prison meaning that she'll be at least 70 years old when released if she if she ever is released now during the whole trial that was the only time that she showed emotion when she was sentenced and given that minimum of 23 years and she became tearful while looking up at the public gallery I suspect she was probably looking up at her family and the children. Now, Lucky's fiance, Gujit, said this in her witness impact statement. I am still under a lot of stress. It preys on my mind all the time. The, the time I spent in hospital was a very difficult time for me. I did not speak English. My family were not with me to take care of me. And I felt completely alone and isolated. I still, not do, I still do not feel fully recovered. And I believe it will affect me for the rest of my life. For several months, the doctors were not sure whether or not it would have long-term effects on my internal organs. This gave me a, a lot of tension and I am still under a lot of stress. So imagine that she's not only lost her fiancé, who she'd moved to the UK for. She didn't speak English when she was in the hospital. All her family was back in India. So she didn't really have anyone there. Yeah, that. It's just absolutely awful, isn't it? Like that scenario. Um, to, yeah, to be an arranged marriage would be stressful, wouldn't it? But the fact that you at least know someone in your life and you you know that you can set up an, a new life with them and then to have that person taken away from you and be completely on your own, especially in hospital, like you say, yeah, that's just awful. Exactly. Now, additionally, it seems lucky sister. This is where it gets a little bit weird, Rachel. Lucky sister Narinda Singh was also the sister-in-law of Latvia's husband. So Lucky sister was a sister-in-law oh of God. the husband of the woman he was having an affair with who killed him. Um, so yeah. Um, and she had this to say, I still don't do, I still do not feel fully recovered. And I believe it will affect me for the rest of my life. When he was around, I never felt that I needed anyone. Now I feel if there is only emptiness in my life. Now, what? Who said that? That was Lucky's sister. Lucky's sister was this. 
sister-in-law of Latvia who killed Lucky's husband. The one with Terminal Cancer. Why would she have to feel fully recovered? Well, because she just lost her brother. I mean, from the emotional pain, I'm guessing. Okay, yeah, that sounds really intense to me. I'm happy if you want to scrap that. (laughs) No, we'll leave it. No, no, because it's, it's complicated because it's sister and sister-in-law it all seemed like they were all very close so that makes the affair that they had even worse because there was basically extended family yeah by not by blood but they would have spent a lot of time with each other and in each other's and he would have known that her husband was having chemotherapy for cancer and he was gravely ill um now, what was interesting about this case, though, Rachel, it was the first time someone had been prosecuted for using this type of poison in the UK to kill someone uh, since 1882. So it was over 100 years since someone last tried to use this poison in the UK to kill someone and got prosecuted for it. Obviously, I'm guessing some people got aware of it in that time. Um, yeah. Yeah, so she obviously got her hands on this poison and uh, that was really rare and went for it, but... Like when when she went when the when he was admitted to hospital the first time, did the doctors not like flag that he was like had been poisoned by something, and well, that should be? Well, I think they suspected that it was poisoning, but because it was such rare and it wasn't a poison that was even found in the that European continent. I don't think they could pinpoint what it was, and he recovered. Right. They, um, obviously, because he died and it was so severe, they probably went into further detail trying to find out what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Like this. Yes. Failings. Like that. He was almost allowed to be um, discharged, and that you know that that it happened again. I'm sure that there would have been some sort of review into that as well. Hey. Yeah, definitely. So, and I think she did it. I know she was arguing that it was her brother-in-law, but, you know, the poison was found on her. So, mm. it's a bit of a... And she's been found guilty by a, a um, jury, so... Exactly. She's got to have faith in the justice system, hey? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. So, for one last time, if we save you to do so, I'd like all of you to relax, close your eyes and picture the scene. You're sitting down for a tasty meal with your partner and it's so good that you want more. Should you have seconds? So thank you everyone for listening. It's great to be speaking back to a a microphone and chatting with Rachel again. I hope you've enjoyed this and we will be back in two weeks time. Not soon enough if you ask me. Yes, indeed. And we got Ivan next time. I'm going to let Rachel decide next time. She's not going to decide right now, but we've got either a fraud case or a rather um, harrowing case of some children being killed. So I don't know what order I'm going to do them in. I'm going to let Rachel decide. Oh, well, thanks for that. That's okay. So yeah, listen. You. Oh, sorry. No, I'll go. To everyone going to CrimeCon this weekend, have a great one. And, yeah, we'll um, we'll speak soon. Great. Thank you all. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.